A Christian mind is not one that is trained to think only about Christian topics. It is a mind that has learned to think about everything from a Christian perspective. We have to understand God rightly to know him intimately. It is the gospel that orients my thinking on every other issue. You can know if you're trusting in Jesus that every single atom in this universe is working for your good. That's why I'm sticking with Jesus. Not because he always does what I want him to do. I'm sticking with Jesus because I just haven't found any better alternative. Anyway, we should probably intro the podcast. Uh, hello everyone, episode 84 of the Blackberry podcast. I'm in the room with Ejim, and we also have our, our California correspondent, Cali correspondent, Israel. Israel, how are you? Yo, yo, yo. It's been Doing a couple, well. couple, couple well. episodes since we've, we've had you on the pod. I'm, I'm assuming you've been yeah. incredibly busy. Um, deadlines, uh, papers, still doing that whole graduate school thing, so. Seminary life. But for now, things are, are eased up, so. Yeah. Mm. Edgem, how you been? I've been good, man. Just admiring Izzy's top Morehouse repping, repping ML. HBCU, yeah. MLK, Dunno, Morehouse More College. Now. More <laughs> now, money. Yeah, um, I'm slowly making my way to collecting all of them. I just got uh, Howard University. All the HBCUs, oh, yeah. Yeah. Come on. How many HBCUs are there? Tulane. Ooh. Spellman. Uh, I don't. It's Tulane. Oh, maybe. Uh, Spellman, yeah. yeah. I don't know how many. I think there's maybe like 25 yeah. Okay, that's quite a lot. That's more than I, I thought so. it would be. Um, so you're trying to get 25 Yeah, orders? yeah. Most are in the south-south. So like, yeah. like Alabama, Florida. Okay. Um, Louisiana has a good number. Mm. Texas, so yeah. Sweet. Um, well, you, I don't know. Whilst we've been here, we've actually seen that Katanji Brown-Jackson has been, um, yeah, approved or, or um, what is it? Nominated as a, as a Supreme Court. Um, voted by the Senate. Yeah, I think it was 53 to 47. Yeah. Is it three or, two, three or two Republicans crossed the aisle? Big yeah, deal. Yeah. First woman, mm. obviously first black woman in uh, to be a Supreme Court judge. Um, yeah, obviously, Israel, you're in, you're in America, you're in, the, you're in the US. What what are your thoughts? What do you think? I haven't actually followed much of it, to be honest. I just saw when, um, was it her daughter that was watching her that was giving her like, I'm proud of you, mom. Um, but that's kind of all I've seen. So, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I will answer that, but you guys haven't said how you guys are doing yet. Oh, to be fair. You Mary, s- how are you doing? I've been good. I've been good. I'm just surprised that year's going so quickly. Have you like landed from somewhere recently? <laughs> Not landed anywhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am traveling this month. I can't wait. Um, yeah. But no, it's just, how are we in April? It just feels like yeah, the year's mad. flying by. Um, and yeah, mm. I just feel like, yeah, as, as as you get older, it just feels like the year's roll into one. 100. Um, you blink and you're 80. Don't want to be too, too, too deep, but yeah. No, 100. Um, yeah, I mean, Israel, what do you think about Katanji Brown Jackson? Um, yeah, what are your first thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I was excited when I saw her nomination. I, it, I didn't realize, or I, maybe I missed it, that Biden had said in his campaign that he, if he had the um, opportunity, he would pick a black woman. Yeah. Oh, so when it, when when it when it came up, and you know, he kept reminding everyone it's going to be a black woman. Yeah. I was like, wow, that's you know, that's a solid. Um, and honestly, like there's been, I can't remember how many years of the Supreme Court, it's maybe 200 years. Yeah, 233 years, I think. Come on, historian. Yes, yeah. And to have a, a black woman after so many years is a, a huge game changer. And um, the whole, my only, uh, I'll say this one thing. The whole conversation about this is like a, a token pick or mm. the affirmative action kind of discussion. Reality is for the Supreme Court, there's like, 75 qualified people Hmm. um there's a ton of folks who are at the second highest level of um judgeship Hmm. whether that's the dc court which Hmm. katanji brown was on or i guess she still is on until Hmm. she gets um sworn in or if that's like the supreme court of each and every state like the california supreme court is the largest in terms of volume the second runner was from that court. So there's tons of qualified people all over the field. And she, when you look at her resume, CV, was eminently qualified. So mm. um, I think Biden looking at other characteristics and still keeping um, excellence as a, as a key factor mm. means that this is a legitimate like su- Supreme Court justice that will, I think she will do wonders uh, for the court. So I was excited, yeah. Mm. What did you guys think? Oh, yeah. 
Is he not many? Because you're in America, so I guess not many evangelicals will probably share your views. Let's be frank. <laughs> and, to, and, to, and to touch what you're saying, I guess it's so true. I think, um, as with everything in America, it's 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 a political choice. It's not a matter of if she's competent or not. I didn't get that sense even watching some of the hearings. It was more so just trying to, yeah, I guess score political points. You know, I don't know Katanji. Obviously, I yeah. don't like I follow her career. Um, don't know her background, her her Haven beliefs of, or legal philosophy. But I guess it's it is it is something of yeah, like a mark in history that that yeah she's been appointed and I, and I think yeah it does show it does show another set of boundaries being broken, which is important. That's important. yeah. But um, yeah, about but yeah, I know I'm almost certain. <laughs> yeah, like mainstream uh, evangelicals in America, I'm sure they weren't particularly mm. happy. I'm not even saying for the right reasons. Again, politically, mm. probably not happy. So yeah, I wonder how that's going to all play out as well. Yeah, I, I think we see the benefits of representation. I mean, the cases that that the uh, the Supreme Court get to to see the the laws that they can rewrite, mm. um, having someone like Katanji there with her experience, you just you just think of some of the the changes, rightly or wrongly, that she'll be able to influence. So yeah, I mean, almost stay stay peeled to see you know mm. some of the cases that they'll be able to vote on and 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 legislate on. So yeah, shout out Katanji, man. I actually saw, no, I actually saw something. Actually, she said something. I think today, sort of quoted. She approaches cases in a. Um, uh, with a sort of uh, like a methodological approach, as opposed to having a overarching um, agenda mm. or like philosophy, which actually is helpful. Yeah, that's yeah. objective, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Looking forward to see. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, yeah. So this episode, we're going to answer. Thanks for uh, first of all for everyone who submitted their Ask BB questions. We, we've received quite a lot. If you guys want to submit questions for us to answer, you can always send us a message on instagram you can tweet us you can email us at blackberry at gmail.com but yeah we've got a few questions that we're going to answer today one of the first questions we were kind of talking in the group chat about i mean we're not definitely not going to recap the you know will smith uh chris rock oscar gate um i think it's been done and i think most people are tired of (laughs) i think some people are you know i think it's been spoken about but i think something that you know dami was talking about in the group Mm. was more around has there even been a, a, a definition or an adequate uh, explanation of what it actually means for, for a husband to protect his wife's mm. honour or to, or to um, defend his wife's honour? Mm. Um, and yeah, like, of course, I'm on the pod with, with two happily married men. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'd love to get, you know, get your, your thoughts about it um, in terms of, yeah, what does it actually mean to, to protect your wife's honour? Well, first, I think, I think it's, it's even like, yeah, I think now biblical principles to desiring to protect your wife mm-hmm. before even trying to describe what that looks like, just affirming that that is a role of the husband. Yeah, is a is a good thing. Mm. I think that's I think that's clear. Um, I think that sort of covering over the home is is important for the husband to know that is that's what you should be doing. Um, that spiritual as well, including um, in other ways. So protecting the home spiritually, so equipping the home, whether that's through, you know, the washing of the wife, um, in the word, bring up the children in the way of the Lord. Um, so, 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 so that's that, the first principle. Um, you know, how do you, how do you protect? I get, you know, it's contextual. Like, I think, mm. I mean, look, you don't, you know, don't condone violence, but, you know, there's situations, you know, I guess if harm is imminent, like, yeah, that, that protection like it's like to look physical mm-hmm. um uh, but yeah but i guess you take it case by case but i think yeah there's an element in which yeah you're willing to yeah at some point lay your life lay your life down again and i know i talk you know even thinking of what happened to oscars yeah i don't think it was in the category of laying your life down mm-hmm. <laughs> but more so the principle that yeah i think that's the principle for christian husbands you're willing to do that for your family for your wife um um, yeah, as 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 an uh, you can even say an example of of Christ's love to us, you're willing to, to show that love to your to your family as well as we're called to do a husband to our wives. Yeah, so that, that's sort of my like yeah, you know, just like rough shot thinking. Yeah, because I remember seeing a, a tweet around the time of, of um, I think it was a pastor just saying that you know he was almost waiting for the 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 
the lengthy articles that were going to be written. Is that today? No, that was a couple okay. of weeks ago. But, you know, the lengthy articles are going to be written about what it means to defend your wife's honour. Yeah. And, it's in, and it's going to be very thinly veiled of some men who just have anger management issues and just can't and wait. Got gun <laughs> can't years. wait for an excuse. Um, but no, but Israel, yeah, what, what do you think it is to defend your wife's honour? Like, what do you think that actually means? Uh, um, me, I agree with everything that Adrian said. Um, and, and I think the, di- I, say, I say difficulty, the difficulty here is also that it is, as Adrian said, like a lot of it is context dependent. Yeah. Um, so I, I think a husband certainly should see the role of protector um, and honour, someone who honours the, the dignity worth of, of his wife, the central core to their, their, their role um, function as a husband. And a lot of that, yeah, will depend on context. Um, I, you know, when I, I think in the, if I used one example of the, the context of um, Will Smith and Chris Rock, um, I think, I think it would have been to stand up for, or at least to speak um, declaratively for your wife. Um, so I, I, some, of, some of my views of, of what happened is going to come out in this response, no <laughs> doubt. Um, <laughs> but I, I, think, I think it would have been sufficient or is sufficient in a context where um, your wife's name is dishonored um, or she's made the butt of a joke, whether that's the Oscars or just in like a group, small, small group setting at church or whatever, um, to actually just stop everyone and be like, I'm going to name that this is wrong mm. and they're not going to do this. Mm. Um, let that sit and then continue. Mm. Um, uh, and I, and I think that's, I think that's a legitimate, um, mode of, 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 of acting as a protector and letting everyone know that, uh, when you engage with others, um, in relation to your wife, you're going to actually uh, also speak up for her and people can't just assume that that they can ride over her because you're not going to do anything about it. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, I feel that's much of what Edgem already said, to be honest. But, yeah. mm. No, that's that's helpful. And I think, it, and at that, that context, is, it doesn't just mean it's physical. I mean, to defend your wife's honour isn't just, mm. you know, arms out at your mom's house, but it's more... <laughs> I yeah. mean, Mary, what about, would you want your husband to rock, man? It's contextual, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's very contextual, but yeah, I, I think I, I wouldn't want to ever see like an overreaction where I'm okay. almost afraid like okay. are you okay like this is not this man like wh- why is life doing this to you um but yeah you, you want to see the willingness um for 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 yeah your spouse to to be willing to go like the extra mile or do every or whatever he sees mm. fit um of course being informed by the mind of Christ um yeah you don't want him to dis he's he's saying he's defending your honor but he's really kind of showing a lack of self-control um so yeah, yeah. First question. I mean, second question we have here is, what do you guys make of some recent popular Christians who have left the faith? Um, so the person who asked the question actually gave an example of someone, but I don't think it's necessary to cool. mention the person. So yeah, what do you guys think? Some recent popular Christians who who have left the faith. What are your like initial responses when you see that, or initial thoughts? I don't. Um, you know, I'll go first. I don't think I'd that much to say. you know the person because i obviously i know the name that yeah. was referenced so i yeah i that, i didn't really know the person too tough before but i was aware what they you know when they were in the space what they're doing as in when they were christians yeah, yeah. The stuff they're doing in sort of like the christian sphere um and, and how popular they were i think it's sad i think it's <clears throat> it's always sad isn't it it's just it's sad man it's sad when you read you know demas left the faith it's sad when you read about how judas came to an end it's sad when you know yeah like it's just it's just sad because you you know they you know they knew something of the salvation that they professed um sadly what it means is that yeah they they yeah obviously didn't know the the true salvation um, it's hard to say but you know that's that's just the truth you know you trust and believe you truly encounter jesus christ that you know um uh yeah, you, you know, you you would remain in the gospel by His grace, by His um, uh, perseverance. Um, so it's sad. It is really sad. And I think I think what makes it more sad when it's just a, 
a known figure or like a Christian celebrity is that it, it feels like it hurts more because I think, you know, I think with, with anyone you hold to high esteem, um, you sort of uh, perfect them in your image a bit. And um, I yeah. think it's such an influence on you that they, yeah, they help shape even shift decisions in your life. And once that person has now turned away from, you know, not just the principles, but the faith that, you know, um, that caused them in the first place to have an influence over you, um, it sort of rocks you and, you know, almost, I guess, leads you to like questioning the things you, you thought were sure and true. So I, I guess in one sense, it's always a, a reminder when that does happen, sadly, is therefore to pray for that person as though they were just an ordinary person, because they are. Yeah. Just because a celeb doesn't mean they've got an additional protection or layer um, over them as to, like, the concerns and affairs of this world and the sin within. Uh, and also, yeah, just a reminder that um, ultimately, you know, um, yeah, they're human beings and Christ is the one that we truly need to esteem to the highest level. Um, and I guess it's additionally sad because of the influence that their falling away can have on a large group of people at any one time. You know, someone in one corner defects from the faith, you know, it's sort of um, the impact on others is less seen than someone who's like on a, on a pedestal influencing people especially like through art for example yeah um, something so like powerful yeah so it can be quite sad for just a lot of reasons really do, a- do you and also the, um, the unbelieving world yeah that, you know it's like you know the discouragement even perhaps and yeah yeah do you feel it more when it's someone who has like a massive reach than kind of a, a neighbor or, or someone you know of in a social kind of context uh, uh they obviously they're both really sad i think just it's just like the the, the celeb obviously like you just it's so much more visible yeah impact that they're falling away can have um it's almost like not the same but it's almost like you know you had really really bad kings in the old testament or kings who decided to dishonor god in yeah. their leaders or judges and you see how it affects the whole nation Mm. how the, almost the whole nation is now obviously it's not it's not quite the same but it's you know position of leadership there is just in, intrinsically just so much influence you have obviously yeah. then it was more sort of almost like covenantal wasn't it sort of spiritual um the role of the king um, that god set above his people but you know a, a leader in this day and age there's still that influence um and that really strong connection people can have with them for various reasons and once they once they turn away from the faith there's almost no doubt people who are, f- who are watching them will question and, and want to know why and then want to, you know, and yeah, and they then need to also be reassured of the faith and gospel, mm-hmm. so yeah. I hear that, I hear that. Israel, okay, what have you it, I don't know, it feels like once a year or mm. it, there's s- seasonal, mm. I think during the pandemic it felt like a few people had used that, as, I mean there was a there was a Christian rapper called Fanatic who recently mm. I don't know, I don't know if our listeners listen to the Christian old school Christian like that. No, 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 U- US cross okay. movement. You know cross uh, movement. Israel, you know cross movement. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's American as well. But yeah, so F- fanatic. Um, so yeah, he recently yeah. kind of fell away okay. um, from the faith, and it just feels like it's a during that period mm. of of lockdown or pandemic, a lot more people seem to have. Um, well, it felt that way anyway. Um, Israel, yeah. How, how have you? What's been your kind of first kind of lasting thought, so to speak? I hadn't known about fanatic because that kind of puts a dent in what I was. One of the things I was going to say is that it, it feels to me that it's skewed towards being younger Christians too. Mm-hmm. But fanatic, if I'm right, he's like in his late forties, right? Yeah, I think fanatic Maybe. might even be fifty. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that that's either disproves the the argument or is an outlier one of the two. But um I mean it's just sad in general, I think when anyone leaves the faith. Yeah. Um because even if they're not a celebrity, I mean Christians have uh, an impact on other Christians. Um the faith is inherently communal. So um when someone leaves the kind of like it, it, it touches on on the parts of your life in which the person was influential and spoken to. Now that's particularly acute when it comes to celebrity Christians, um, which has always existed. But I think, you know, social media, digital world has heightened it mm. in a way that was probably unrecognizable in any other time in history. Um, 
And the biggest challenge uh, for me as I think about this is recognizing that celebrity Christianity bypasses a lot of the checks and balances that the church has set in place for ministry. So to become a, most churches, and this is not true for every church, but most churches have a thorough process before you just become the pastor. Mm. Um, and they have steps and sort of levels of influence, even within a particular local church. So you don't just get to become a Christian tomorrow in most churches. And then all of a sudden you're setting the curriculum for, you know, um, a five week series on some topic in adult Sunday school or whatever. Mm. Social media doesn't allow any of that. It's just, I mean, if your stuff is good and appeals to people, just get the numbers. Mm, yeah. um, and I think a lot of what we're seeing is a reflection of that, that there isn't any way for the 9 million followers to actually like vet this person. Like, mm. Should you, are you in an emotional state? Are you in a communal state with your family or friends and your larger network? We actually are embodied presence with. Are you in a state to even be doing this? Mm. Or do you just have a break? I don't know, speak to a pastor, have some counseling, just to step away from social media and attend to your own soul. Mm. However that ends, whether that means you stay in the faith or you don't, but just to, to do that work rather than constantly producing in front of all these people that you actually don't really know. Um, and I think that's the other difficult thing is like, celebrity Christian leaves the faith. And there are folks in Canada, you know, this person's in London, this person in Canada who are now questioning their Christianity. Yeah. Um, who, you know, they're never going to be able to speak to this person and actually kind of like get a debrief or get closure. Mm. Um, so it's kind of like a breakup of no closure as well, mm. which um, emotionally I think is actually really tough. Um, especially if the person's new uh, to Christianity or became a Christian through this person. Um, mm. So I, I don't know, it, it, it raises real questions for social media for me. Like, how do we engage social media as Christians? Yeah. Um, so yeah. It seems like you're a little bit critical there about like Christian influencers. Mm. Um, and of course, not every <laughs> Christian influencer kind of arcs, you know, make me a Christian influencer. I think they've just, some have just mm -hmm. released videos Emerged. or tweeted stuff. Yeah. And then by the time you know, it's like, oh, wow. Right. Got thousands right. or hundreds, you know, engaging with my content. Um, yeah. Like what, what are your thoughts about like Christian influencers um, positively or negatively? That was to you, Adam, as well, by the way. Oh, is it me? No, easy. I think that relates easy. And also, just on top of I that, Israel, I think, um, should we be more like, this is another question for you, Israel. Should, should, us as like the consumer, almost like consumers, or at least those who have been, who follow these yeah. people. Like, how, how do we, so should we, do we need to sort of like resemble the Christian, like a, a local church and hold, hold them to account in some way? Like, how do we do that? You know, should we do that? Should we have? Should, should we not do that? But how do we like solve that problem? You you referenced that you know of like someone just comes up all of a sudden they're now teaching online you know and they're probably relatively still like a, like a young Christian, um yeah like how do we is there a way to keep, keep them accountable? Um, and it's it's really hard because a lot of times you're you're engaging with someone's content and you're enjoying what they're producing mm. um and you're loving it. So if, if someone's preaching the gospel, you're like oh brilliant or they're unpacking a certain truth. You don't really have. Well, first of all, the way social media is built, you can't really say, "Oh, you know, who who are you? You know, what church you go to?" Like, you know, you just they've got too many followers mm. anyway. Um, so it's so hard. I think it's only when you know maybe there's a scandal or you can peel back the layers mm. and find something about a character issue that that you take time to pause. Mm. But in the initial kind mm. of standing from afar, just loving what they produce, mm. I don't think you're always as critical initially. Mm. Um is yeah and and i know there might be some folks listening saying but low-key blackberry aren't you like <laughs> with yeah, we Christian influencers as well guys I I get, you know Christian, you know influencers <laughs> get they benefit like they actually win <laughs> what are we getting <laughs> yeah no freebies on that I, my my criticism is more at on the influencer side and on the influence side so i think okay i don't actually I don't have too much to say for someone who, I think if you're on, if you're on Instagram and you really enjoy this person's content, I mean, enjoy it. What can you, mm. like, there's mm. not, not much you can do unless you start being, you know, boarding on the line of creep, trying to figure out every nook and cranny of the person's life. Uh, you know, um, but on the influencer side, I think 
there are basic things. So even for us, um, when, when BlackBerry was started, there were a lot of conversations with local pastors, and I think that's a healthy thing to do. Now, I don't, and I think Christian influencers should feel more free to name, for example, the church they're part of, even if it's not just put it on your Twitter bio, mm. because it, it, it points to some level of connection mm. um, that says, hey, I'm not just a a free range Christian running around, yeah, kind of doing what I feel, but I'm actually part of a community because to be a Christian is to be part of a community mm. that, that that's inherently part of the definition. Um, so I would say, yeah, I mean, and there's probably other um good pieces of advice there, but naming the church you're a part of, um, having an active uh conversation with church leadership about your social media presence in a way that's no different to if you were a bible study leader at a church right you you would still even you know you would still say to your, your pastor hey i'm going to be doing a series on philippians um what do you like what do you what are your recommendations maybe even doing stuff like that say hey i'm started this blog and i want to be professional on this content just wanted you just wanted you to know mm-hmm. um so that my social media sort of Christian discipleship is still under the purview of my relationship to the local church. Mm. So most of my comments would probably relate to the influencer and just saying that there's ways to be an influencer that is coherent with your own discipleship. Mm. Should we seek to be involvement with the local church? Should we seek to be influencers? Is that is that something <laughs> is that you know ministers I mean? reconciliation? Mm. <laughs> uh, mm. That one, I, I, that's the Seeking to be influencer. I don't think I mean, everyone's called to it as well. Huh? Is everyone called to be an influencer? Uh, can you be called to be an influencer? I'm, I'm just being, it's semantics, isn't it? But like if, <laughs> so for example, a popular, a popular, so also, for example, if you have a popular following, mm. most times, especially if you're a Christian influencer, you're probably in ministry. Um, okay. So there's already, mm. already a, a calling, right, so right, to speak. Right, right. Um, so yeah, but I I think if you're saying what should we seek as Christians to influence the world, yeah, of course you know yeah. we're culture. What is it that um oh the, is it Andy Crouch about like you know culture makers essentially mm. um mm. so yeah I don't know mm. I don't know mm. um but you know coming back to the question about like seeing people who recently left the faith, I remember I don't know if you guys listened to that you know rise and rise and fall of Mars Hill, but there was an episode yeah. there was an episode with Joshua Harris um. He was a pastor at um, was it Southern Grace Church and, of course, wrote Why I Kissed Dating Goodbye. And he did, like, a whole episode um, where he was mm-hmm. interviewing him. Mm-hmm. And it was it was just a, a great reminder of, of course, you know, Joshua Harris um, denounced the faith. Mm. But uh, Mike Cosper, he had this kind of, yeah, this hope of, of yeah, you're, you're not dead. Like, you know, you, mm. you don't bury a man before he dies. Mm-hmm. A popular Spurgeon quote of, mm. you know, whilst that person's alive, there's still hope. Um, mm-hmm. Same for fanatics, same for... Mm. Um, the person mentioned in, in the question like that yeah of course at this moment in time in this season they, they, they've they they've turned away from the faith but um, the prayer and the hope is that there would be mm. a, a return mm. um, so there is that there is that hope that is there um, and that we can yeah pray for them mm. and hold on to the Lord mm. um, follow up question kind of links to this so I thought I would ask it um, but someone else someone else asks would love to hear more on deconstruction of the faith um Ugh, deconstruction uh, easy good I, I don't know my brain is not ready for that <laughs> deconstruction i think i can start beyond me <laughs> go for it's it be, mary it's beyond me now it's above <laughs> me now uh deconstruction you know what i think it's helpful to define what we mean by deconstruction okay, i think when some people hear deconstruction and no israel's gonna find it define it don't worry but i think when, it, when i think when some people hear deconstruction they think like deconversion um mm. some people think kind of dissociation from in essence, orthodoxy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you start to just imbibe something and it's like, oh, okay, you don't believe the Bible anymore or you don't believe Christ is God or whatever. Um, and some people just see it as almost unlearning of um, harmful, you know, a harmful belief they had um, mm. that, you know, it, with closer examination, they realized that that isn't tantamount to, to something that's foundational for, mm. for them as a Christian. Um, so, Whatever way you're you're thinking through those terms will, will almost um, mm. impact what mm. you view deconstruction is. That's really helpful. Because some people think you know deconstruction is is incredibly negative, yeah. and they hear deconstruction and they think oh, you know alarm bells. But some people see deconstruction as as something that you should be 
constantly be doing. Okay. Um, you know, Christians should constantly be deconstructing, should constantly be um, almost breaking down, mm. you know, taking apart, putting back together why they believe what they believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's almost what what side of the plane you land on. What is the mainstream side, you would say? What is the, what is the, what is the side that people tend to refer to, Christians tend to refer to? I think, I don't know. Most times when someone says deconstruction, people are like, alarm bells, small, small alarm bells. <laughs> They're like, what are you deconstructed? Like, you know, what? Because, um, you know, deconstruction, I know, was linked a lot with like, um, oh, like ex-evangelical or something like that, where mm. people are seeing some of the harmful um, experiences they've had. Yeah. And that's made them almost repackage their own yeah. belief in God. And a lot of times it's just not biblical. Yeah. Um, so it's tough. Okay. It is really tough. Um, yeah, Israel, what's been your experience of deconstruction we'll come to you Ejim, i'm sure you've got your yeah. own as well i mean i think it's a mostly american or north american i think so too the first time mm. i heard people say intelligentsia word sound like you you could you sort of student you like academic elite israel it's like a term you man have <laughs> have coined have coined <laughs> no i mean well I, the t- officially deconstruction is comes from you know um sit for code yeah Ooh. Derrida, sorry, um, Jack Derrida, French uh, philosopher, but it's not in, in evangelicalism. It's not used in the sense that Derrida uses it. Mm. Um, and in evangelicalism, I think it's it's mostly used in North America. Um, and I think it it has to do mostly with a with the sociological experience mm. of changing your mind mm. about something and the impact it has in on your relationship to a particular community. Mm. I don't actually think it has to do with what you think about X. While that's what people talk about a lot, I don't because people change their mind on topics all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and they don't call it deconstruction. Like, oh, I, I used to believe this, but I've changed my mind. And when you say it like that, you're just like, oh, right, because human nature will change their mind. Now, mm. you could change your mind on very important beliefs mm. and yeah. that still have, you know, co- theological consequences. But you don't really need to, you know, present a whole new term for the idea that you've changed your opinion or you've changed your mind or your beliefs. But I think the sociological impact of deconstruction is essentially there's a there's a communal risk to change your your mind on something. Mm-hmm. So if you go to a church that's um, far right, conservative, Republican, mm-hmm. um, you know, pro guns, pro Trump, and you change your mind on the church's relationship politics Mm -hmm. you risk being kicked out of that church yeah and then you risk being isolated and the group you've grown up in all your life and people you've known all your life all of a sudden have disowned you Mm -hmm. and you're by yourself and i think Mm -hmm. that's the most consistent experience of people who deconstruct so whether they leave christianity altogether or they just i don't know so another typical thing is like become more theologically liberal Mm -hmm. or um change their view on church and society the most consistent thing across all three of them is a sense of isolation that there's a risk to naming the fact that I no longer believe this thing because my community will shun me. Um, I think that's what really deconstruction is. So is is. deconstruction in that, so what is deconstruction there? Because is it that the relationship is what's being deconstructed? So how, so what attaches me to this community is what's being deconstructed? Um... Because that still sounds to me as though the person is still breaking down or at least challenging the body of thought or thinking that binds them to mm. the community. Um, so is it is it is it fixed on the relationship or actually on like the ideals and stuff? In your opinion, at least, I I, I think it's I think the the belief aspect is crucial mm. or necessary, but I don't think it's sufficient to okay. to describe deconstruction because. Got you. I think what makes it sufficient is that relational experience. And that's why you've had so many people form deconstruction communities mm-hmm. because there's all these different people across like the U S for example, in different states who feel isolated and they need someone to talk to. Yeah. Um, right. So they want to name their belief, but there's a sense that if I do, I don't feel free to challenge this belief because my church has made it mm-hmm. such a primary doctrine that if I, if I challenge it, they're going to basically kick me out and I feel mm-hmm. isolated. And you notice that even in the U.S., deconstruction doesn't really exist outside of 
um, Protestantism, I think most broadly. So in Catholic and Eastern Orthodox contexts, mm. you don't really have that because in a Catholic and Orthodox view of Christianity, you are a Christian by your mere participation in the church. Okay. So even if you change your mind on the doctrine of hell and heaven and sexuality, if you still go to mass every right, Sunday, and if yeah. you're still in confession, yeah. you're still you're still part of the church. Go now, you. obviously, people will maybe challenge you, and you might have a conversation with your priest, and you have a fight, mm. but the priest is not going to kick you out. Go and you. so you don't have that kind of fear mm. that I you can just name. Hey, I disagree with the church's teaching on um, uh, abortion, mm. and the priest is like, "Well, you shouldn't, but come to mass next week." Mm. You know, and and mm. and so, but evangelicalism has much more of a if you say you're now pro-choice, Ultimatum. yeah, you're you're out. Like we're not talking to you anymore, and that's and that's just um, I think it makes it more of a challenge. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So what what would you say to someone who is in a a space of deconstruction or feels like they they want to deconstruct? Maybe I can give an example. Maybe mm. um, they're in a place where they've seen maybe in recent months they feel like sin is is heavily emphasized in their church and it's it's okay. really affecting. Um, how they how they see themselves um, and almost feeling like they can never be right with God um, and they're wanting to unlearn um, their view of, of, of God's love and um, being almost identified as a sinner um, and that's maybe they see that as a, as a sense of deconstruction how would you like what, what advice would you offer to that person if they were in that place or in a similar place Edge, I'm looking at you. Edge, I'm looking at you. I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm learning. You know, based on what, like, that that really that sweet teaching you just gave on, and obviously, obviously, I've heard the term being thrown around, and I've sort of seen what people sort of yeah, sort of seen what people might be meaning um, without have without sort of going too deep into trying to understand detail. But I mean, look, ultimately, if we're talking about people who are just Asking questions. I mean, again, asking questions is not a bad thing. Yeah. You know, search the scriptures as they're preaching, look, and ask the questions. And it's so healthy to be in a church where you, you're you encouraged to do that um, without the leadership feeling undermined because yeah. that is concerning. You know, if you're in an environment where any question is almost seen as a, uh, a usurping of authority, uh, especially when you're, you're asking questions with with actually like grace and respect, for yeah. Them, then that is concerning. Um, so that so that's one thing I think. So being in a space where you can ask questions is is, is, is very helpful, and it, it allows you to strengthen your faith. It's a sign of the doctrine. Um, but I would I would say to the individual, just examine your heart in this though. So if you are in, especially if you're imbibing the words such as de- deconstruct. I might even say even avoid it, but if if you feel that adequately describes what you're going through, especially if it you know if it changes maybe some of the definitions you gave, yeah, like really examine your heart because you know my question is, was there a feeling before you went to deconstruct that you just don't agree with what's being preached or what's being said in the church? Mm. So actually, there's a bigger issue. Really, actually, we're here talking about just yeah um, unbelief and and maybe an issue or even just faith. And that's a bigger issue as opposed to simply theorizing it in, you know, I just want to like break, break, break it down to its simplest forms because you, I mean, I don't know if you can really do that with the gospel. The gospel is quite clear. Mm. It's got, I mean, in many ways, the gospel is, um, um, uh, I was going to say almost, uh, some of its parts but the gospel is it's is quite it's one it's quite it's quite clear you know god is fully god fully man um god the father sent him to take our sin and christ willingly came and took our sins died on the cross we know the gospel story you know died yeah. raised resurrected that we might have victory over sin over death eternal life we were raised in our new bodies our sin was put on him you know what part of that are you deconstructing? Maybe your deconstruction, because you have to remember that 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 men, mm. um, and, it, and it can can almost affect that experience. So you mm. almost, and also they can actually add on 
uh, to the gospel or to, to culture, Christian culture, things that are harmful. Um, yeah, that's clearer. That's clearer. Yeah. So you that that yeah. so you might not be the gospel. So you, you're not. You're definitely not. Decon- I, I don't think it's it's it's. Obviously, we all agree it's not. Yeah. It's not. It's not beneficial to deconstruct the actual gospel message in um, a way that's in the way that in one of the ways you described in that your um your questioning in a way that um suggests that it's it's wrong. So actually, what you're dealing with for me isn't deconstruction. It's just actually just faith. And yeah. Yeah. And so we let's talk. Let's talk about your. And, not, and I don't think at that point kicking anyone out of church mm. at that point still you're 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 you know that someone couldn't because they'll be a christian but just you know ask fundamental questions and i guess you take it step by step and walking yeah. them through the gospel that's what i mean yeah but you were saying no because i think i i just think you just want to do this in community yeah. um i think israel spoke about a lot of times those who are in these deconstruction circles or or, or feeling that wanting to do it are always very isolated mm. almost I need some time away from the church mm. to just, you know, think about what I believe. And of course, we all do, you know, we all want to be alone with our thoughts, but you really want to be Brewer. in community, you know, when you, you know, Nick Brewer, <laughs> you really want to sit down and say, okay, this is what I have, you know, just even what you said about being able to ask questions, mm. you want to be able to be in a church where yeah, you can ask questions to your pastor, you can ask questions to your friends, you can say, you know what, guys, just come how I'm feeling, like, you know, this is what I'm going through. Mm. Um, because, yeah, you, you just want to be part of a community. And then it, Ultimately, as well, you want to know what your aims are. Like, what mm. is your ultimate aim? Um, because yeah, you, you see some people say, you know, I just want to understand what I believe, which is a, which is a good thing. Um, mm. But then you know, the concern is you may repackage and say, you know, I, I look at the Bible and I think, oh, this feels like God is angry, or you know, yeah. God is this, and I don't, I don't, I don't agree with this. So I'm just gonna take this and this and then put it in this, and it's yeah. and you're just walking away from yeah. from kind of yeah orthodox christianity isn't it um which is which is yeah you're really losing grip of the gospel and that's kind of the concern yeah and um, that's why that's why you just pray that you have good teachers in your church really yeah, good teachers yeah. i mean the disciples had the best teacher they asked some wild questions the disciples mm. you know i mean i'm sure some of those questions can be repackaged as deconstructing um the faith in some way questions in regards to rewards in heaven and it's like why are you asking that you know it's just some weird questions um after after seeing the miraculousness of Jesus, your faith is still like weak, and you're concerned about uh, material things, or the, you know, and it's and there's things that you're asking. Why are you asking that as a reader anyway? Um, and in many ways, that like, people can have that experience now. You go to a sound church, still hear the sound word, um, but you find yourself asking questions that really um, suggest that your faith might not be in a good place. Um, yeah. Doesn't mean you should be written off. No. Yeah, Christ him after disciples. Like, I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't have that patience for the disciples, you feel me? But, <laughs> you know, we need, that, yeah, people, we need to be patient. We need to be patient with, again, we're dealing with people who believe are, we believe are believers. Again, once they make claims and are fixed in those claims, and even after maybe elders and teachers talk to them and, and they stay in those claims, the construction for me is, is irrelevant right now. We're dealing with someone who's just like on the verge of unbelief. Yeah, you know I mean, so yeah, I hear that. Israel, what do you think? Um, yeah, that last part, Jim, um, just the need for patience to to work with in the context of a church to work mm. through those those questions is crucial to me. I have more. Um, I have a, I think I have a lot of compassion for those who are deconstructing or on the verge of beginning or find themselves near at the end. And most of my recommendations tend to be geared towards church leaders, mm. because I think m- most most church leaders and then some Christians don't recognize just how um, religiously diverse our world is now. Mm. Even in a place where, um, even so, like in the US, there's still a lot of like majority Christian Bible Belt regions, but just by virtue of social media and the internet. Um, we have access to so many different views and opinions about something. Mm. And we no longer live in a world where your denomination has a monopoly, right? There was a time when, mm. you know, if you're in Italy, you were Catholic. If mm-hmm. you're in Germany, you were Lutheran. Yeah. If you're in England, you're Anglican. Mm. Like, these are the options. Um, but now I just have to open my phone and I can literally pull up a list of every mm. single religious belief and have very, very serious arguments with each of them. 
mm-hmm. yeah. from scholars who spent 20 years mm. presenting them. So it means for church leaders, um, like you just can't preach assuming that everyone in your congregation just gets it. Mm. They're just tracking with you. Um, because they could, in that moment, pick up their phone and say, what's another interpretation of this passage? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you mm-hmm. have to now argue with some scholar from this university over here who's got five reasons why you're wrong. Mm. Um, and that, that takes patience. Like you can't, mm. you know, you have to, you have to deal with that seriously and not just kind of dismiss people's um, contentions because just way too much out there uh, to assume that um, anyone listening to you just gets what you're saying. So yeah, I, I would, direct my thoughts mostly to church leaders as opposed to, to those um, actually experiencing deconstruction. Yeah. No. Uh, last question, and it kind of ties into this question. I feel like all the last three questions have Last question late. already. We'll see, we'll see where we go. Where are we? Oh, yeah. no, we, we, we got time. We'll see. We'll see how long this takes. Um, when was your last crisis of faith and how did you overcome it? Mm. This is a bit of a hefty question, you know? Talk about, talk about yeah. <laughs> last question. When was your last crisis of faith, Edgen? Are you going first? No, I said edge him. <laughs> and how did you overcome well, it? How are we defining crisis of faith? Crisis of faith, yeah. So a, a time when you felt deeply challenged, maybe mm, when you had a, a bit of doubt mm, rising in your mind. When was it? That's quite personal. Yeah, it's, it's, it's black, be real. <laughs> okay, it doesn't have to be the day. It could be like, you know, yeah. last um, year, this year, I don't know. Was it recent? Sounds dramatic. I just don't know if I have, you know... This doesn't mean, I don't think it particularly means strong or weak Christian. I just, mm. you know, like, I think yes, it, challenges, right? People go through challenges. And I guess for me, look, I'd, even, look, I'd even say maybe as recent as even a few weeks ago, or even less than that. Um, you, yeah, you almost start asking yourself um, almost like the basic questions, like, even just like, am I doing a good job as mm. a father, as a husband? And I think that really took that points really to your faith because um, you're wondering, are, are, you, are you doing right by God? Are you are you serving your home well? Mm. <clears throat> and I think that that may I think maybe maybe you know maybe that's how those feelings, uh, yeah. That maybe that's how yeah I find myself in such places because, um, yeah, world that's so busy. Um, um, maybe you don't see um, your own personal progress even in the faith going as as you thought it would go or spend enough time with or like family or yourself then you start questioning yeah, I'm like am I doing a good job uh, the, the impact and, and and knowing the impact you have not just as a husband or father I think you know just as anyone who has influence over anyone or relationship with anyone um if you don't serve those relationships well um uh yeah I guess it's you know you, you do, yeah you do wonder like is yeah the faith that the faith that you know and, and, and serve is it really reflected in your life do you mm. know what I mean and I think that's yeah that that can bring someone to like a somewhat semi like crisis of faith uh, it's, it's a strong phrase crisis of faith but I mean like you know a point where at least they're asking questions such as um yeah like God where are you you know I really could do with yeah. your wisdom right now and your closeness I feel like I'm just not I don't have it all together I don't you know maybe other times I feel like I have an answer or I have a thought or I have a plan. Don't feel any of that right now. Yeah. I literally don't feel like I have a quick word to say, you know, with all the wisdom books that I read, I literally have, you know, God, please, you know, mm. and I think it's, I think, you know what, again, you know, from the Psalms, like, you know, with David often there at the point where we were just like life threatening situations. Right. And, you know, and you just despair, um, so yeah, I, yeah. I, I think to be honest, I think yeah, I think those feelings I felt more often than people probably would admit. Yeah. And um, but we probably sil- we probably silently go through them. I think well, actually what helped me for the first time really ever felt like that. I actually just messaged <coughs> like a couple brothers and just like yeah, like Aww. how were, you know how's fathered for you this week and that because you know what we as we've been saying all, you know throughout maybe all the questions. We are in a community actually, and you know what? You're probably more accurate. You're, it's probably more accurate to assume that your brother or sister has gone through something similar than assume they haven't. Um, just by the nature of how, how like similar our lives are, mm. you know, and especially this age, 
how similar our jobs are, our stresses are, our um, responsibilities are. We're likely to probably have similar issues arise from that situation yeah. too. So, yeah, I think, yeah, and, and that helped us. Well, so I don't know if I answered the question. But. No, I think you did. Um, I think for me, I think I, I recently spoke about this, actually. I was, I was asked to speak on a, a women's panel, FemSol. She didn't Femsol. plug that. This is like um, early this year. I don't, you know me. I don't like. To Are you gonna stuff. like? You wanna see clips of what's going on? No, it was. I don't think it was recorded. Mm. Thankfully, um, but oh, I'm trying to remember. So the session was called renewed, and mm. it was kind of a question similar to this of like, you know, when was the last time you would, you had like a a crisis of faith? Mm. And I, and I spoke about it on on. Um, so I think the example I gave was that I was going through a period. This was during pan, the pandemic where I was kind of serving quite actively in my church, but kind of was feeling like. It's just just a party that I've just fell into. Like you know, when you go to a party, and you don't actually know who the celebrant is, but you're there, and you're, you know you're drinking the wine and you're chilling mm. and, you're, and you're eating, and you don't actually. It's like, did I just did I just fall into this? And it's almost too late to leave. Um, mm. And I started thinking, you know, because even if I leave the faith, all my friends, majority of my friends mm. are Christians, I have to start again. Everyone is. Everyone's gonna be messaging you. You know, well, you haven't seen me in church. Mm. So I just got. I've probably started thinking about like just very serious questions because i was you know serving actively in church but just feeling very dry and cold um and it was making me feel like well i haven't felt like this for a minute type thing um how i overcame it was um two things community i think community is 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 really underemphasized. um just being around people and it's always it always feels like when you're because of course when you're struggling you don't really want to talk about like spiritual things so you're just so keen to talk about i don't know Bridgerton or whatever's on TV yeah. or whatever anyone's talking about. Um, but, you know, you praise God for those who are, um, yeah, energized by the gospel. So want to talk about spiritual things. So, and sometimes even when you, you're not even, you have nothing to say, um, you can you can be so encouraged by listening to others. Um, and that was, that was perfect for me. And then also just me internally kind of breaking down what it means to be a Christian and kind of what are the promises of the gospel, what's the hope of the gospel, um, and just taking it back to 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 the kind of the rudiments. And that was like, yeah, a bomb for my soul at the time mm. because I just knew that, yeah, I mean, if I go back to the basics and then being in church and, you know, the sermon is, is I'm not really connecting to the sermon, but, you know, just singing with the saints. And, and, and sometimes it would be like the simplest song, um, but that would feel so enriching for me. Um so yeah, it was it was recent. I'll probably say yeah, last last year, mm. um, and that's how I kind of overcame it. Um, mm. Israel, I was gonna say a co- government name. No, you, you put a government name out there. Too, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, mine is probably mostly. Before you answer that yeah. question, because you're obviously in ministry, does it feel awkward mm. when people ask you these questions? Because like, ah, pastor, I should be strong. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this person, yeah, I mean, Pastor, how are you? I'm blessed. Yeah, God, is good. God is good. I'm encouraged. <laughs> I'm never, you yeah, know, what you like, say, there is a you can't even say you're low, you say, I'm high. I'm high. <laughs> oh my god, there's a different dynamic to it for sure. Um, you know, now that you mentioned that, I actually have a second example, but that might be more relevant. Mm. Um, yeah, so I'll go with that. I had one that was more intellectual, but... You can um, do both. <laughs> if I can keep them short. Um, so, since moving to, to LA and working in a church, I think I've felt more acutely the kind of, like, services constantly given. That's a little bit on what you touched on yourself, Mary, of, like, um, doing what I'm doing, enjoying it, quote-unquote, but not feeling like I'm receiving. Mm. And I think that switch from being a receiver to a producer was really, I felt it a lot, like last year, up until December, really. Mm. Um, and it made it hard to be fully present in mm. services. Um, however, I don't remember, I think it was actually Rachel, um, my wife who mentioned this as an option. But in the last three, four months, I've been going to another church. <laughs> Um, on the receive. side <laughs> now the benefit here is no no so the benefit here is uh, my, my church meets in the afternoon um, because we were in a facility which leaves Sunday morning wide open okay yeah and so it's not it's, yeah it's not like you know 
it doesn't doesn't disrupt the actual ministry schedule in that sense. But sitting at the back of a bigger church, so just you know, and essentially just being able to like receive and to receive, uh, uh, re- yeah, to receive to hear God's word to me, not to be sitting in the service thinking about the five things that need to be done uh, after service, uh, um, or what's missing in um, the particular aspect of the service, and uh, which is I think just natural for any ministry person. There's 25 things running through your mind. Um, so that's been a huge relief. And I think what that's said to me is not necessarily that I think I need to go to another church indefinitely, um, but that I need to create a space where I am receiving spiritually. Mm. Yeah. Um, a lot of pastors historically would do that through retreats mm. or um, days away each month or something. But it, it it's kind of exposed to me. I need to keep that going if I'm going to be able to really give in the ministry context. Mm. And the intellectual one? Hmm. <laughs> um, so, and I, I kind of mentioned this when I was talking about deconstruction, but I, had, I think I had a really hard time with the legitimacy of Christianity in light of the vastness of religious difference. Mm. Um, and the constant debates within Christianity about almost every every topic. So I, and this is, I think, yeah, this is tied a lot to just everything I'm reading. There's a lot out there. Mm. And as I tease out arguments for different um, views on different topics, uh, I'm able to make sense of it, but there's, I, I think I felt a kind of uh, intellectual snobbery to think that I could ever be the person who can actually say, no, nah, this is the right position. Yeah. And I know this person who's been studying this topic for 20 years at a research university, they're wrong. And then this other person um, across the world is wrong. So, I, I mean, one concrete example is I think in my recent studies on Eastern Orthodoxy, I'm being introduced to Christianity in the East and recognizing just how much I don't know about the Eastern tradition of Christianity made me feel very um, uncertain about what I believe. Right. Because here's this whole body of Christian mm. faith that I've just never thought yeah. of, but I'm confident that they're wrong. Mm. And I'm just like, I was introduced to it five minutes ago. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm like, what makes me think that in my little brief experience of life, and short period of study that I can just denounce an entire tradition that has gone on for almost 2000 years in Turkey, in North Africa, um, in Iraq, in Iran. And and I don't know that I've entirely overcome it. So I want to be honest there, but um, what has helped is I think being able to suspend judgment in periods of study, especially when it comes to new issues, and say I want to be I want to engage in a certain level of humility that says, since I'm being introduced to Eastern Orthodoxy and this set of beliefs and traditions for the first time, I can't just de facto assume that they're wrong. Um, and so I think exercising the virtue of humility and really trying to develop the character that's resilient to um, being tossed to and fro by every doctrine, but also gracious enough to, to actually listen well mm. um, has been has been helpful. So yeah, yeah. So and that's something I'm still working on, honestly, but it's slowly getting better. I had I think it's uh I experienced that similar. I had a kind of this discussion with my with my brother over Christmas and he was saying to me, you know, what makes you so confident mm. about your belief when maybe if you grew up in in another region in, in the world you may have believed this and you know mm. we're going back and forth and at times he was like you know you, d- you don't even know about this particular region here and i was like so like and with me i'm not uh of course i love reading widely mm. but some things are above my pay grade sometimes someone asks me about this translation or i don't know sorry i don't Everyone know has the limits. Yeah. Mine is lower than yours, I, I have you. my limits man i, like, I don't Mine know but what yours. i do know is is this right um so I, I I think yeah it's it's a constant challenge that you may you may experience um, yeah mm. and how how do you find that when you're of course you're teaching as well um, so do you sometimes feel like you know you may be teaching something um, and then you're you're still not sure 
um, kind of how to respond to it? Like, how do you navigate that as well? Bit of silence, can you hear me? I think we've lost Israel. My oh, yeah, um, airports just failed me, so I have to okay. Do you, you hear what I said? <laughs> yeah, like okay. in terms of the teaching, yeah, um, yeah, I've, I've had to accept a lot of my limitations, mm. um, so before as I would read widely on the topic before teaching, there was a kind of like, I'm overwhelmed. And if someone asked me a question, um, I would give an answer, but in, in my mind, there's like 35 different aspects that I feel like I need to mention just so that they can fully understand what is at stake. Um, but I think with, in, in the virtue of humility um, and the, the need for humility in, in just Christian learning and teaching, I'm slowly becoming more comfortable with setting boundaries and limits and saying that, like you said, there's some, like we, no one human can actually truly um, take on the full breadth of any single topic. Yeah. And you have to accept that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and with that, then that requires an actual trust in the spirit and in God's word and in um, the life of the, of the, of the Christian church to say, God, I am limited. And I've tried to go beyond my limits, but I really can't. And so I have to really depend on you um, to be able to guide me the truth within my own human capacity. Um, and that's been shaped the way I teach of saying, you know, here's, to the best of my knowledge, here's how I approach this topic. Here are some of the things that do need to be factored for. And in the end of all things, you still need to trust God to guide you as you process and think through this mm. because yeah. you won't you won't be able to cover the full extent of mm -hmm. what's out there mm. on this specific mm -hmm. issue mm. that's a word even a word knows what was the, what's the famous saying i don't know i know it's someone obvious but i can't remember but uh yeah the more you the more you the more you know the more you, you realize you don't know it's so true you start you yeah. know you read one book and then the, that one page of a 200 page book you see you've seen like four things you've circled that i need to read up on you, you know it's just endless and i think there's a verse actually I, I actually once asked a pastor who came to visit um uh the church church i'm at and uh, this is a while ago now and i i asked him like just actually on like a can it a question in regards to like, social issues like how do a christian address social issues probably in the height of like i don't know some serious racial stuff probably mm -hmm. and he was like he turned me to a verse in the psalm psalm 131 verse 1 i like i, I probably won't forget that verse because of what he said and there's a the, the, the verse basically says this is david saying um uh i don't i don't um con almost like i don't concern my i don't concern myself with things too marvelous for me or too or too high for me um um but but the but the the later verses even preceding is is it's just a, a comfort David has that you know the Lord um, knows all and he um, he like he's he's safe in the Lord's hands. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you can imagine David to, for for David to be a king, pretty much most powerful man around. To you know, some humility to be able to admit that you there's so many things that you don't know and just don't feel you have power over. Um, and it is humbling, but also it can be unnerving. So I do, I, I really, under, I, I think I hear you guys when you talk about, you know, just so many th beliefs out there, and it's like, how do I know my one's the right one? Mm. Um, and I, and I think we, I think we raise that in prayer. Like I don't, you know, I, I don't think you know God is insecure. You know that, oh, you know, yeah, um, jealous that you, did you know, like jealous yeah. that you've now got encountered. Look, go, go, you know, if, if we're sure that it's God's word is the truth, and, and obviously God is God, then um, we 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 will find answers in Him and His word. You know, um, again, that could be with the aid of teachers, friends who may help with the word. But I don't, I, 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 I don't think that should stop any of us from like trying to discover and know more. Obviously, there's yeah, there's a way you can do that, which is fueled by a heart to discredit. The, yeah. the Bible and, and that goes back to the question about deconstructing and maybe um, but there is something about just trying to 
just just you know learn more about man that god created um that does that does does open to you just so much in the world so much ideas in the world in a way that allows you more to be you know john stott talks about this i mean or even just in his writings you know uh, gosh he read everything you know like he didn't write about something that he didn't like read the like chief argument for mm-hmm. um and that means you, he's re- you're encountering sh- very strong arguments against like biblical ideals in order to defend the bible now obviously not everyone's him not everyone is you know um you don't have the capacity yeah <laughs> 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 no one is that but there's a sense that you know the word is is, is so true and so sure i mean and we have faith in it uh, the spirit within us that yeah, you know that that that. Look, we have a we have like a reassurance that there isn't anything out there that can, um, um, d- discredit the word of God. Yeah, you know. Um, and when someone encounters something that they feel does, I think it's have good to have a conversation and ask yeah. the questions again. Hopefully, in your church that you can do that. And I imagine Israel has like I don't know lectures or even just his church, whoever who can. Help him do that. Um, and to be honest, it builds. Listen, we we need as many critical minds in the church to be able to handle mm. the amount and the waves of ideas that are coming to the church. This this during this morning, last night, yesterday, the world is just so chaotic. What you see in my mind is so many ideas out there that are violently held and like are antithetical to the gospel. Mm. And as a Christian, mm. you just become exhausted by just the idea. Of engaging with mm. such discussions, let alone be in a position where you have to now defend. So we have to, some degree, ha- we have to just dive in, yeah, you know, and and uh, and arm ourselves um, with the word, and and just, and also have the courage as well when we need to to actually speak. Mm. Yeah. No, that was good. That was good. Um, thank good you so point. much, guys, for for submitting your questions for OxBB. Keep submitting them. You can tweet us. You can send it on, on Instagram or DMs. You can email us at blackberry at gmail.com. Um, and you can tweet us. So, yeah, we'll see them and we'll hopefully answer them. But no, this was good. I felt like it was very much around faith. Faith and asking questions and forms of community. But, yeah. Easter's coming, so. <laughs> Ooh, Easter Day time. Or oh, maybe we should do a little, you know. Easter special. Yeah. What does that look like? I don't know. <laughs> Easter eggs. <laughs> I like Easter eggs, so if you want. Um, but yeah, this was 80, episode 84 of the Black Podcast. Mm. We out. <laughs>